I had big plans of not recording another podcast indefinitely uh, because I really did not want to talk about health insurance. It's incredibly stressful and depressing for me. But yesterday, which would be May the 1st, 2019, um, the government, as in the president, uh, decided to file an appeal with, um, I believe, the Fifth Circuit Court uh, to gut uh, the Affordable Care Act, which is obviously our um, health care policies and procedure plan provisions law our healthcare laws uh here in America so um probably now is as important of a time as any to uh rip the probably a hundred dollar band-aid if you got it at a hospital off of my feelings and talk about um health insurance and what a fucking dumpster fire it is in America but first I have to make two more vocal edits from the previous episode because I'm not perfect. My husband may or may not uh, have wanted me to mention that um, he was not the bad guy in the neti pot scaring me from behind um, episode because all he was doing was getting back at me. And quite funnily, I need to make it very clear that I thought the neti pot scare was hilarious at the time and continue to think so. But anyway, he was getting back at me um, for a game I like to play called dump ice water on your husband's head while he is taking a very hot shower. And if you have never played this game before, uh, one, what are you doing with your life? And uh, B, it's very easy, and let me tell you how. So what you do is you wait for your husband to take a shower. That's probably going to be about 30 minutes after he goes to the bathroom saying he's going to take a shower um, for the water to come on. So patience is a virtue always. Wait until the water starts. You go to the kitchen. You fill up a cup with ice and water and then you wait for like two minutes so the ice can cool the water down right so we just as cold as possible if you can get snow even better and then you do 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 scooby-doo walk into the bathroom you stand on the toilet because you're very short and you pour the water onto your husband's head yay that's the game um also then run out um so he doesn't yell at you but he's not going to yell at you because he loves the attention and he thinks you're very funny and the game is fun for everyone okay so vocal edit number two is that he also told me that I might have been exaggerating for effect when I said that my tumor was the size of a grapefruit Apparently, it was uh, the size of a cherry. So, I am sorry for lying to you. 
However, I would like to note that a cherry-sized tumor is still pretty big, and although not the size of a grapefruit, it's still serious and still ruined my life and hurt my feelings, and you should still feel sorry for me regardless of the tumor size. Thank you for listening. Okay. Back to health insurance. Oh, so in this country, we used to um, not have the ACA. And before we had the ACA, uh, insurance companies uh, could do these things like drop you post-filing um, claims because you had a pre-existing condition. So what that means is that um, say your um, child or yourself, well, I guess you wouldn't know if it was yourself, uh-huh. say your child um, is born and the doctor's like, oh snap, he has a heart murmur, gotta get that fixed. So um, you do because you would like your child to live, as <laughs> selfish as you are. And um, so then, you know, you get the surgery or whatever it takes for a heart murmur. Um, I'm sure it's, you know, serious and expensive. And then your um, doctor files a claim with your insurance and then insurance comes back and says, oh, fuck you. He was born with that. That's a pre-existing condition. We don't cover that shit. So sorry. Looks like uh, bills on you. (laughs) Bye. Thanks for the money every month. Totally perfectly legal until what, like eight years ago? now was it in the 21st century and even um they also could you know have like monopolies on your states where you only had so many choices which actually is still a problem so we'll skip over that one anyway point being the other main issue before the ACA was that we as in citizens were paying for people uninsured people's medical bills So before ACA, if you uh, couldn't afford insurance, which was literally millions of people, and you got sick, usually, right, we we hear stories, uh, or I assume you do if you ever pay attention to anybody besides yourself, uh, one hopes, um, that people would wait until they had to go to the emergency room for their illness because they couldn't afford, you know, regular checkups. And so if you go to the emergency room and you can't afford to pay, they can't make you pay, right? You don't have the money. They can't make you have money. So instead they um, take that cost and then like divide it up among all the insured people. And this is the very, very um, scholarly take on this, right? As you can tell. So um, because we are a country of individuality, we're all our own personal islands. We said, fuck our neighbors. I'm sick of paying for your kids uh, when they break their arms. Get your own insurance, you loser. Personal responsibility. Mer. And we passed the ACA, which requires everybody to get insurance. So we're not paying for each other as much anymore. Um, also, that greatly expands the insurance pool which means insurance should you know eventually become cheaper for everybody because there's more people putting their money in the pot um and if you couldn't afford to get insurance 
right? Because it's not like the prices changed dramatically from before ACA and after. The government set up um, a healthcare marketplace online that um, if you go and sign up for it and you make under a certain amount of money, um, you are provided tax subsidies to help you supplement paying for your insurance. So basically, you would go to a marketplace website, you would put in all of your tax information from the year before, they would um, process it and go, oh boy, you are poor. What we're going to do is show you these plans, right? None of which you can afford. And we'll provide you, let's say $600 a month um, to help you afford just the most basic of plans. So maybe the plan is like $1,000 and and um, so then the government will kick in with through your own tax dollars, mind you, uh, $600 a month to help you uh, pay, right? So maybe you're only paying $300 a month or $400 a month for your insurance. And then um, at the end of the fiscal year, when you file your taxes, if you ended up making more money than you had claimed when you filed um, or when you applied for marketplace health care, um, you have to pay that extra money back that you had been receiving through subsidies. So it's not like, you know, the government's cutting you a check every month or anything. It's going directly to the insurance company. But if you ended up, you know, making more than you had said, like I said, then you have to pay the government back for what they paid to the insurance company. I assume that that all makes perfect sense to you because you are not dumb. So I hope that that also then uh, clears up the misconception of Obamacare, which the ACA is sometimes called, never condescendingly. Some people think that Obamacare is Medicare or some other form of free government insurance that people can just sign up for and taxpayers are paying. Uh, I hope that I have um, made that clear that that couldn't be further from the truth. And it's such a silly notion. And anybody that even went to the Marketplace website once could see that that's not what was happening. Um, But, you know, everybody is always arguing in good faith. So um, the ACA, in summations, um, forces insurance companies to not be assholes. They can't just cut you off if they decide um, that you have a pre-existing condition um, also children can stay on their parents' plans, uh, long after their children because the, this job marketplace and economy, uh, <laughs> it's probably for the best. And also the more people that are insured, you know, the cheaper insurance should be for everybody, except insurance companies have been, um, trying to skate around that as well as, uh, very many states, Um, chose to put their own kind of roadblocks in place for the ACA where, say, states would refuse um, extra Medicare funding. And because they refused that, they also were not able to secure um, many insurance companies to continue operating in their states. So insurance companies would um, just drop that state off of their roster, basically, of of, – people they worked with. And um, it ended up raising prices for a lot of people um, insurance-wise and also greatly reduced the amount of insurance plans that were available for people. But again, that was because of um, state government and insurance company interference. Uh, 
it might sound like I think that the ACA is perfect or this amazing, wonderful thing. And I, it is in some ways, but um, not the perfect part, but the amazing part. Uh, but it's not, um, obviously. And I hope that the facts of the matter aren't, you know, making anybody angry with me right now. But uh, suck it. So there is your ACA summation. Let's move forward to talk about health insurance and what it's like um, when you have a medical emergency that no one ever saw coming. Because again, we can't afford to get MRIs every month or every year to check on our brains. And what that might look like cost-wise for you. Um, so when you... Uh, call the ER to come and check on you because you're having seizures in a hallway and you've thrown up all of yourself. I will never let that go. Um, that even if you don't go with them, right. And your husband ends up or whomever, obviously I'm talking about myself and always will be, um, drives you to the ER. It's still like a $1,200 bill in my case anyway, for, um, the ambulance to come out just to check on you. So number one, $1,200. And then um, you might go to the hospital, right? And then you stay there for three days while they try and figure out what is going on with you and also try and get you in stable condition. Um, And that's going to cost maybe uh, over $30,000, right? So, you know, a little over $10,000 a day. Um, After your stay, you can request from hospitals um, billing uh, branches or offices, whatever you want to call it, uh, you can ask them for an itemized list, right, of hospital bills. And that's kind of fun to do because you can see how goddamn insane their charges are, but it's also wildly depressing because then you learn that you paid $61 for an ice pack. And like I said in the last episode, you're not going to remember a fucking thing from this day. So I don't even know if I actually had an ice pack. I assume I did. Uh, but I hope it was $61 worth because I don't even remember getting to enjoy it. Um, the MRI that I had at my first hospital stay cost about $5,000. Um, that number will change from hospital to hospital, and no hospitals do not have a menu board that tells you all the costs so you can um, economically pick the best place for you, right? You just kind of go wherever your insurance is accepted and fingers crossed, um, which is a fun way to uh, play with your health, right? Just roll the dice and, you know, stick your thumb up your ass and hope for the best, I apologize for that very disgusting statement. Um, Also, another fun note is that um, hospitals love to charge you just crazy amounts. And I know that's an ableist term, so I apologize again uh, for medication that you already take normally. So there's a medication that I take every day. Um, I have generalized panic disorder um, and I have really bad panic attacks. So... um, the medicine that I take for that, it costs me about $3 a month. Um, at the hospital, each uh, dose of medication, which again, take it every single day, was $32. So whereas I'm usually paying $0.10 cents a day, I was paying $32 a day for the same exact generic version of a medication. 
One might think that medication would be cheaper in a hospital because they would buy it more in bulk. But one might not know anything about anything, apparently. So that was my first just kind of like initial hospital, what's going on with you, we'll figure it out, and then you're going to have a bunch more shit to happen, right? So just the initial assessment, if you will, uh, was around $35,000. For um, the next stage, which is consultation with your neurosurgeon, um, the brain surgery itself, it's called a craniotomy, but I'm not an asshole, so I will always refer to it as brain surgery. Um, and the hospital stay, right, for said surgery um, can cost you, if you're me, almost $200,000. Now, I did have to stay in the hospital about two weeks longer than expected because of complications, which we will discuss later. Um, and I did have to have a second surgery uh, on my brain because I tried to die. But um, either way, I mean, you're, you're going to be paying a lot of money. Um, an MRI at the second hospital that I stayed at cost about $1,000 per MRI. When you are in the hospital um, for brain surgery, you're going to have a lot of MRIs. So there won't just be the one. You'll also have a lot of CT scans. I want to say I had one MRI per day and I was there for like three weeks and two CT scans per day. Um, it, there, it's possible that that's not 100% accurate, but for the sake of the story. Um, and then just FYI, uh, after you, um, you know, fingers crossed, live through your surgery, uh, I'm hoping the best for you, and you go home, you will have um, MRIs for the rest of your life, right? Because one of the really cute things about oligodendroglioma is that it loves you so much, it's never going to leave. And even if your surgery is uh, has 100% um, removal, which is not really possible because, you know, cells um, are not visible to the human eye. I know, it's shocking. Um, so it's highly likely that there's going to be some leftover mess in there, even if your doctor thinks he got it all out. Uh, either way, oligodendroglioma comes back. Um, it's very slow growing, so you might have it again for a long time and not know and or it, it will be manageable. Um, I'm not 100% sure about it depends on your doctor, I guess, how aggressive they are with your um, long-term care, whether or not they want to do surgeries right away when it returns or if they wait until it grows big enough to remove. Um, I'm not at that point yet, so I, I can't really tell you from experience. However, I can tell you that because it is a lifelong, which <laughs> until it kills you, uh, because it is a lifelong, uh, I want to call it a disease, a condition, I don't know, um, you will get MRIs for the rest of your life. So whenever you first get out of um, surgery and are home again, you will go uh, to a doctor, neurosurgeon. You'll have an MRI. He'll look. He'll say, or yay. And then you'll have another MRI in a month. And then another one. And then after about four or five months, depending on how things look, they might decide, you know what? Let's start having an MRI every six months. 
And then if those go well and there's no new growth or if there is, it's a teeny amount, they'll end up pushing it to annual MRIs. So you might get to a point eventually where you're only having one a year. Um, my MRIs now um, that I'm back home cost about five to $600 per um, MRI. And like I said, um, whenever I first got out, I had um, I think probably five or six in the first like half of a year. And then I moved to every six months and now I have them, I'm on my first annual one. So I had one last September and I'll have another one this coming September. Um, but so basically what I'm trying to say is that those costs are never going to stop coming, right? Those, you're always going to be paying for this for the rest of your life, which is fine, Unless the ACA gets gutted and not replaced with something that protects you and uh, insurance companies can now drop you for having a pre-existing condition, um, in which case you're boned. <laughs> Plus, you're already kind of boned because um, all in all, my um, from the time I seized to the time they were like, you can go home now. And I said, I would like to stay if you would let me. And they said, no please leave. Um, all, my bills totaled just under or over, I'm trying to forget, uh, $500,000. And that's like after insurance. And also my insurance was not accepted by my surgeon. Um, and even if it had been because I was in a different state, when this all happened, it would have been out of pocket expenses. Um, so it's possible that if this happens to you, it won't be quite as expensive because maybe you'll be smart and have your seizures um, at home or in network, as it were, uh, and it won't cost quite as much. So try and plan that if you can. Um, it's really easy when you have no idea that you're even sick. Uh, and, uh, you know, think, hope for the best. Um, I'm getting very angry and frustrated thinking about this. So it's, I'm having trouble keeping my train of thought. If I'm being very honest, uh, it's probably clear by my tone of voice that, um, I'm not pleased with this conversation that I'm having with myself, uh, but then it also makes me sad thinking about, you know, other people that also have to go through this and the fact that even though I can look at my itemized bills and view, you know, all my claims now and say, this is what I paid, this is what it costs, this is what I did, and that's not a consistent it's not consistent information. It's going to be like every single person that goes through this or any medical issue, they're um, outcome is going to be money wise, I mean, is going to be completely different from one person to the next. And that's incredibly frustrating because it's hard to convey um, the stress of the financial aspect of getting sick when everybody's experience is different and sometimes so glaringly different that they're not even really comparable. So, um, that's super frustrating, as, as I stated, and um, just really infuriates me to just no end. 
So one not upside, but uh, one way to soften the blow. There we go. Is that when I was having my um, brain surgery consultation meeting uh, with my neurosurgeon, whom uh, did not accept my insurance, but because he is an ethical psychopath, uh, gave me the world's best care anyway, and really made um, a silver medal out of my husband, um, told me that medical debt does not pass on to your next of kin when you die. So there's something to not completely stress about is that if you do have you know, millions of dollars in medical bills by the time you die, that debt is then not passed on to your spouse or your children or, um, you know, whomever else, your cat. So that's quite a relief. Um, Also, you don't have to pay. um, Hold on. Let me preface this by saying uh, I am not an expert in literally anything and um, take any quote-unquote advice that I give with many grains of salt, um, a whole salt lick, if you will, on a mesquite tree. Um, But you don't have to pay the uh, total amount that insurance companies ask you to for medical bills because it doesn't really affect your credit score. So as long as you're paying them something every month, and by something I mean $5 when you're feeling very generous, um, it's not going to have a negative impact on your credit score. So while not a lining of any kind to any cloud anywhere, um, it does take away some of the um, intense stress that I had um, fearing that um, you know, not only was I going to uh, scar my um, family for life mentally with my um, untimely death, uh, but then I was also going to saddlebag them with just uh, sacks and sacks and sacks of, of golden coins. So uh, there's some, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I uh, relief? Sure. There's that as far as medical bills are concerned. Um, the other part uh, that's good is that um, that's it. I could only think of that one thing to try and cheer you up with. Uh, health insurance is uh, very depressing and medical bills are um, also very depressing. And you're always going to have them because, again, it, this is forever, just like with you and your seizures. It's you and your tumors. Um bestest of friends and inseparable for life. And that also means that medical bills are with you for life. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make anybody suicidal or, you know, lay in their bed sometimes for days just crying uncontrollably while their children are at school. Um, yeah. Yay. So, uh, health insurance. We're done talking about it. I can't do it anymore for right now. However, uh, while normally I'm not remotely interested in interacting with uh, anybody, uh, I would 
be willing to answer any questions that anybody has about my personal experience, because again, it will be different from literally every single person to person, um, insurance journey. So if you do have a question, um, please uh, ask me somehow. Uh, you surely, if you have my number, you can just text it. And then if anybody even asks me, which I doubt will happen, but if that does happen, I will answer it um, at the top of the hour, next hour. It won't, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and to um, ward off this potential question of, well, Dara, if, why don't you just take your own uh anxiety medication instead of paying $32 a pill, you dodo. Well, that's because hospitals don't let you take your own medication. They have to administer medication to you. I'm sure that's um, like for safety reasons, which I totally get. The part that I don't get is why in the fuck it would cost $32 a pill for a medication that should, you know, cost literal pennies a day. Um, so next podcast will be uh, <laughs> will be a real treat compared to this one because we'll be talking about something much less depressing than um, the medical debt you will drown in. And we're going to talk about how what it's like to prepare uh, yourself to have brain surgery. Um, who knew that that would be a, a happier conversation than... Um, you know, going over your medical expenses. I did. Uh, so in health insurance summation, holy shit, am I so tired of talking about it? Uh, you're going to be writing a lot of checks, assuming that checks are still a mode of currency by the time, um, you get oligodendroglioma, if that is what you do. Um, and I would recommend um, taking a pen from the hospital to write said checks because you, at this point, have earned the right to not have to purchase your own pens anymore. You have bigger um, medical bill fish to fry. I hope that um, this information did not ruin your day like it has uh, ruined mine. And, um, you know, here's to the ACA not only not being gutted, but being made to not suck as bad as it does. And here's to all insurance companies um, burning to the ground and uh, even further burning into the ground and then burning themselves all the way down to hell where they continue to burn for eternity. Just kidding. Hell is not real. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye.